on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board, as always. You can listen on the ESPN app. Take us with you wherever you go. Hit the ESPN app, find the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and away you go, my friends. 437-7644, that's the phone number to get on board, get involved, get those hot takes a-flowing here. That's hot. ESPN Radio Syracuse Airwaves. You can also hit us on the Twitter, where the show never stops, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media. You can use the the on-the-block text line, fire off some hot takes as well, 288-0644. We have lots to discuss today, plenty of Syracuse, Virginia chatter to get into as the Orange head on to take. The more you look at this game, the more you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But to go back to an old expression, that's why they play the games. I do think there is something that Syracuse has going for them in this game tonight. It is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of the optics, a lot of the stats, a lot of the trends, a lot of the things that Virginia does well do not add up for Syracuse. But there is something that I think the Orange have going for them in a game like this, which we will discuss. Sam Blum is going to join us this hour. Sam is a former uh, writer at the Daily Orange. He is a Syracuse grad, and he covers this Virginia basketball team on a day-by-day basis. He's on the beat, so he can tell us about what the Orange have in in store tonight as they take on Virginia. Don't forget our pre- and post-game coverage right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Starts at 6 o'clock with Seth and Danny Shays. Seth and Roosevelt Bowie will take calls after the game on the post-game show. So looking forward to both of those things. Looking forward to hearing from you on this game throughout the afternoon. Plenty on that. We'll certainly discuss last night's festivities. Nick Saban makes the change. There's not a lot of coaches in football, college football, in sports that can make that change. In a sense of they've got the guts to make that change. In a sense that they've got a player who's the backup, who's better than the starter or has a quality the starter doesn't have. In many ways, Nick Saban is one of the few coaches in college football that could do that. So Tua Tagovailoa, 
Did we get that? I think we got. I think we're close. That is correct. Close enough, right? Everybody is trying to learn how to pronounce this kid's name. I mean, he was a five-star prospect, big-time recruit. But if you're outside of the college football recruiting geek world, not exactly a household name until the third quarter of that game when he comes off the bench and like, whoa, this kid can sling it. And it turned into a great football game for the second half. You know, some people saying it's an instant classic and all that. I mean, I guess we can say that when it's a walk-off game in overtime. I wouldn't exactly call it four quarters of instant classics. Certainly about a quarter and a half in overtime was great. So we'll go over all that here to start off the program, hot takes, and so much more. And why don't you join the party today at 437-7644. Okay, and that's where I do want to start. And pick your poison here. How about ESPN Radio with the call last night? Three receivers right, one to the left, straight back to pass. Going deep, throwing it down the first sideline, and it is caught for a touchdown. Devontae Smith wins the national championship. Down the left sideline and wide open behind the defense. One true freshman to another. That's a great Sean McDonough on ESPN Radio. Voice did not crack, though it did come close. Sean gets really excited on those calls. How about the Georgia radio call? Not quite as enthusiastic. Second 26 on the 41, they say. Tungo Vailoa going downfield. He's got a man open. Oh, my God. Touchdown. Alabama has won it. We just lost him in the secondary, too deep, got behind our quarterback in the Crimson Tide. Sweet jubilation for them as the dogs are heartbroken. Uh, just in case you were wondering what the Russian television call was, we have that. That was either a football car or the latest instructions for President Trump. I'm not sure. We'll have to... Uh, Yay, democracy! Uh, Translated. I'm not sure. But anyway, what a game. What a second half. What a move. Nick Saban, I don't even want to have one of these sports talk radio discussions about who's the greatest college football coach of all time. I mean, that's over. It's Nick Saban. End of debate. We, we No, we're, we're not going to have that debate. I know he's tied with Bear Bryant, and I know the times were different, and sports debates are made to be open-ended, but sometimes sports debates end. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach ever. That That is over. But what Nick Saban did last night is what only Nick Saban can do in many phases. Now, other coaches out there have backup quarterbacks that they can put in in certain situations, but... They usually don't until they're forced to. And most of the time, that is by injury. You know, Urban Meyer had to Ryan Cardell Jones for a while. We've certainly seen Syracuse have to go to the officer, Zach Mahoney, Rex Culpepper last year, weren't quite ready to go to young Tommy DeVito because he was redshirting a year ago. But there's a drop-off there. When Syracuse loses Eric Dungy, they become a different football team. When Alabama lost Jalen Hurts, they became a different football team, but the word different is is interpreted. It is looked at differently. Different is you go from a quarterback who can escape the pocket, can throw a little bit, to a kid we don't know a lot about who can just flat-out sling it. And Tua Tega Vailoa, 
Did we get? I don't know if we quite got it that time. I'm not sure. You would think we would know by now. But my man Tua came in with the Hawaiian punch, and it became an interesting game. Not that Jake Fromm wasn't slinging it beforehand, and I'm thinking of visions of Jake Fromm in a Buffalo Bills uniform. He's not draft eligible for another couple of years. I'm like, maybe we could sign Alex Smith for a couple of years, just kind of hold the spot, and then draft this kid in a couple of years. But this game needed that kick in the pants, and Alabama needed that kick in the pants. And how would you like to be a sports fan who is planted in the state of Georgia these days, and you are somebody who has found yourself rooting through the years for the University of Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Falcons. You've had a rough year. You saw the Atlanta Falcons blow a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, as we all know, and the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, and you saw Georgia blow a 20-7 lead. Not only did Georgia blow a 20-7 lead in the national championship game, they blew a 20-7 lead to Alabama in the national championship game. Kirby Smart becomes the 12th former assistant coach to go down at the hands of Nick Saban. This one was a lot closer than other Nick Saban assistants have been to Saban in the past. But there is just a very short list of people out there. And this is why, look, Bama has become a machine. And after a while, this tends to recruit itself. When you become an elite program, you're in the college football national championship game three years in a row, five of the last nine championships, reputations take hold, although a lot of Alabama players have not become the pros you would expect, plenty certainly have, and the feeder machine goes there. But, you know, Lane Kiffin said it today. Make no mistake about it, what makes Nick Saban the great coach that he is is 75% of college football is recruiting. And he could still flat-out recruit and, like, go find a quarterback from Hawaii that could come in and save your season in the second half of a national championship game. I mean, Jalen Hurts was 25-2 and as a starter, had played in a national championship game. Was just what Alabama needed because you have such a great defense and you run the football and Bama doesn't need a quarterback to go out there and sling it. They never have. Just look at these quarterbacks that have won championships under Nick Saban. These aren't guys that have gone on to win Heisman trophies or gone on to have NFL success. These are just placeholders that run this offense and then move on. So Saban goes to the bullpen, he brings in Tua, and it just changed the game, and he knew it. The game needed to change, the energy needed to change, you watch the first half of that game, and you're thinking 13 nothing is enough. And then it turns. And Georgia, look, do they have complaints about certain calls that did not go their way? They did. You watch the tying touchdown throw, Alabama left a step early. There's that, that is a false start. Go watch the replay. Receiver at the bottom of the screen. I don't have it right in front of me who it is. Pardon me, but... He left early, and, you know, we can debate certain calls that may go at Bama's way or may not go Bama's way. I mean, look, 20-7, to they came back and won, and Saban made the call. The call. Not only does Tua deliver that touchdown in overtime, think about everything else that happened that kind of gets swept under the rug. Georgia drills a 51-yard field goal. I mean, that kid 
is playing in the NFL. He will be kicking on Sundays. Alabama's field goal kicker with the chance at the end. I mean, not only does he miss that kick, that is Bob Euchre as Harry Doyle just a bit outside territory. He shanked it. That is Ray Finkel laces out what the hell just happened kind of miss. By the way, what is it with Alabama kickers, by the way? I just said how great of a recruiter Nick Saban was two minutes ago. How come they can't find anybody to kick the football at Bama? Do they always forget about that part? They're so focused on offensive, defensive linemen, wide receivers, quarterbacks, linebackers, all the great defensive players that they're churning out. Oh, kicker, we forgot that guy. So that's a different topic for a different day. We'll have to check in with our old friend John Garcia Jr. on that, on why Bama can never find a kicker, but who cares? They, they find a different way to do it. So in overtime, not only does Georgia go down and score and put pressure on Bama because their field goal kicker's confidence is, is just destroyed, Tua gets sacked, and it's second and 26, and all he does is step up and uh, now— Football analysts can really go over the top on this stuff. They get so excited about it. And when you watch the coaches' film room, and I have to admit, I was pretty boring last night. I didn't flip around a lot of the mega cats. I don't know how you guys watched it last night. I watched just the regular ESPN Fowler Herb Street broadcast. I did dip a little bit into Dan Lebitard. I dipped a little bit into the coaches' room. But I did happen to be on the coach's room when the final play happened. And what you get is that instant analysis, and they see it. But to see Tua, now remember, this kid, all he has done is practice to this point. But when you are practicing against one of the best teams in the country week in and week out, well, you tend to pick up and learn these things, but you have to execute them when it matters most. So with the game on the line, the national championship, overtime, Georgia who's got a darn good defense, just knocked you down and forced a second and 26. He steps up, holds the safety, looks like he's going to throw to the right side of the field. He's a left-handed quarterback, looking like he's going to throw to the right side of the field. And at the last second, flips and throws that deep ball, which he knows that deep ball only works if he can hold the safety just that extra second. It's those little things that make you great. And Tua did that last night. In his first game. So now, Bama's got itself, I mean, you could call it a quarterback controversy. I wouldn't call it a controversy. They know who their quarterback is. But that's Bama. They can be that cutthroat. You know who Nick Saban is loyal to? Who's going to win the game? Nick Saban had a, you know, a guy on the sideline take a shot at a coach. Took a swing at a coach on the sideline. And he comes in about five minutes later and makes a crucial special teams play. Guys were dropping on the Alabama sideline. Somebody passed out at the call, the stretcher. I mean, it was dogs and cats living together. But if I'm Georgia today, I'm like, you can always look back on certain mistakes that you make and play calling, and maybe they got a little conservative, didn't do what they needed to do, should have run the ball more. But if I'm Georgia, I'm like, we had these guys down 20-7. to Their confidence was completely shot. They had no offensive confidence. They make a switch, and look what happens. And Georgia knows what that's like because Fromm had to come in for Jacob Eason this year. And all Jake Fromm did was prove that he's better than the starter. So there are other programs in the SEC, certainly, 
where that backup is just as good as a five-star recruit himself, and he's just waiting for his chance. And it wasn't just Tua. There were freshmen all over the field making big plays for Bama. Now, Calvin Ridley made a huge catch, but freshmen all over the place. These guys were at their senior proms last year. Some of them couldn't vote last year, and they're out there making the biggest plays on the biggest stage. Incredible. And they saved it, man, because, boy, we've been spoiled. The national championship game the last few years has been very entertaining. Bama-Clemson twice in a row, and some of the playoff games. I mean, look at the Rose Bowl this year. The national championship game, we feared it was going to be a dud, and for a half, uh, our fears were confirmed, and Georgia wouldn't care. They'd, they'd bore their way to a championship every day. But then that second half came around, and we started to see something. We started to see, you know, some quarterbacks in the SEC that can throw the ball, which there's a, sh- a shortage of those for being the best conference in college football. Uh, certainly will not be the case next year. All right, let's take a break. We are going to switch gears when we come back. We're going to get an in-depth breakdown of Syracuse's opponent tonight. Our old buddy Sam Blum, former D.O. writer, Syracuse grad, now on the beat covering Virginia basketball. He will tell us what, if anything, Syracuse can do to run with this Cavalier squad tonight. We'll do it next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Welcome aboard, my friends. Either way, so glad you're here on a Tuesday, a game night for the Orange. And a tough uh, sled ahead for Syracuse tonight in Charlottesville as they take on the number three Virginia Cavaliers. We talked plenty about that game throughout this hour. Pre-game coming up after that with Seth and Danny Shays. And then as soon as the game's over, remember it's an 8 o'clock tip time tonight, so a little different on the tip front. 8 o'clock tip time. So after the game, Seth and Roosevelt Bowie will take your phone calls here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So lots of coverage leading up to the game and after it right here. And the game is over on Brostad TK99 and ESPN Radio AM 1200 and WOUR for our friends in Utica. So let's go through it here. Virginia, they're pretty freaking good. 14-1, and one, number three in the country. We know about their defense. And when you play Virginia, you hear so much about that vaunted defense, right? And currently, at giving up just 52 points per game, number one defense in the country, number one defensive efficiency team in the country. And look, if you fall into the KenPom.com ratings and the analytics you could fall into a trap. And Virginia always looks good in these rankings, in these ratings. Virginia can sometimes fool you, and you can pump up Virginia maybe better than they are because analytically, they're such a great team. But with the interesting stat to contrast that is they are number 351 in the country in possessions per game. And we talked to Sam Blum about this last hour. Sam is a Former uh, DL writer, Syracuse grad, he's now on the beat for Virginia. Covers them for the Daily Progress in Charlottesville. We put that up at ESPNSyracuse.com if you want to get a little preview of the Cavs heading into tonight's game. That's just how Tony Bennett wants it. And I am fascinated by coaches that can pull this off. When Jamie Dixon was at Pittsburgh, he pulled this off. Okay, kid, come to Virginia. You're going to play defense. You're going to grind. We have the fewest amount of possessions per game in college basketball. We discourage, you know, basketball. 
We don't want to run up and down the floor. We don't want to score. We don't want to put you in a situation where your highlights will be shown on SportsCenter. It's like the anti-college basketball recruiting pitch these days, as opposed to come to a school where you will score. You'll be on the highlights. You'll be you know, presented to all the great NBA scouts in the world out there to present your case to be a one-and-done basketball player. Virginia, it's like, no, you're going to come here. You're going to grind. You're not going to shoot that much. You're not going to score that much. You're going to play defense, and you're going to like it. This is like the kid who wants to eat his Brussels sprouts. The kid at 12 years old that eats healthy and doesn't want dessert, right? It's how do you sell this? But there are kids out there that want to play this way. This is Virginia's way. You can either try and do it the way everybody else does. And I'm not just talking nationally. I'm talking in the ACC. You know, in the ACC, you're dealing with North Carolina and you're dealing with Duke and Syracuse and these programs that, you know, want to, you know, generally speaking, Syracuse has been the counter to this this year, as we'll discuss here momentarily. But generally, what are you doing? You're recruiting athletes and up and down the floor and exciting basketball and High-scoring games, right? Virginia's gone the other way, and it has worked for them. Now, it has not worked in the sense of Virginia, even though they've been darn close the past couple of years, has not cracked through and made it to the Final Four. And Syracuse is responsible for that in one of those teams two years ago when Malachi Richardson went off in the second half, not only leading Syracuse to victory, but really spearheading his case to be a first-round draft pick. That season and what has worked for Syracuse in both those instances, both games that they have beaten Virginia in in recent years. For all the and this is a different team than those two prior teams, even last year's team that beat Virginia, but they did it. And in both cases, Virginia had a big lead. Syracuse went to the press, rattled Virginia, took them out of their game and won close matchups last year at the Dome. For Jim Beheim's <clears throat> 1,000th win, right? 66-62. It was a game where Tyus Battle went off at 23 points. So that's encouraging news that perhaps he could do that tonight. Now, last year's game was at the Dome, but hey, he has confidence against this team. One of the best defensive teams in the country. Now, the counter is he also had Andrew White helping him out last year who scored 23 points as well. This team doesn't have that shooter. Think of the theme there. What did Syracuse do the last two times they beat not this Virginia team? And this is, you know, Virginia in recent years has had either Malcolm Brogdon or London Parentis, who can tee off on the Syracuse zone and shoot threes. That being said, it's two names I just brought up. Three names, really. Malachi Richardson, Tyus Battle, and Andrew White. Now, one of those guys is still around, and you need Tyus Battle to have the type of game he did against Virginia last year and even the type of game he had Saturday, minus that little turnover at the end against Notre Dame. So Battle, we know, has to score. We know who the key three are offensively for Syracuse. But what Syracuse was able to do in their last two games against Virginia was take them out of their comfort zone. That's not easy to do. Can they do it again? The one advantage and the big advantage that I think Syracuse has, if you're going to find one, is that what Virginia does so well 
is they kind of suck you into this trap. And if you're a team in North Carolina is the perfect example of this because Virginia completely shut down North Carolina in their last game. It was a clinic. Jim Beheim said it on the ACC media call yesterday. What Virginia does is they take teams that score in the 80s and you're lucky to score in the 60s against a team like this. Well, in case you haven't noticed, Syracuse ain't that team. Syracuse is not scoring in the 80s. That's a pipe dream at this point. Syracuse just came out of a game against Notre Dame where the final score was 51-49, to which was a great microcosm of the offensive struggles of this basketball team. Syracuse is used to slow pace. Virginia, they have mastered the craft. I mentioned the stat, 351st in the country in possessions per game. They're number one in defensive efficiency. They're number one in defense. That is exactly the way Tony Bennett wants it. This, as it's like they said in the A-team, I love it when a plan comes together. Tony Bennett has that kind of team for Virginia. Well, Syracuse is used to a slow pace. They're not, I guess you could call it the best in the country in that department, although that's not a stat that I would want to rule, but hey, it works for Virginia. But because of the struggles in the half-court offense, Syracuse goes at a slow pace. They don't score a lot. So they're used to this. They're going to come into this game tonight. Now, you don't want to see a team that's this good defensively, but there's a little confidence there. Current members of the team included. They're going to play at a slow pace. Now, here's where the problem comes in. Syracuse has not been good in the half court. And possessions against Virginia are gold because of what I brought up. Not only is it gold because of the fact that you don't get a lot of them. I think I saw a stat in passing this week. North Carolina was averaging 75 possessions per game, 58. Against Virginia, that's almost 20. So you've got to cash in. You've got to score or get Virginia to follow you, which O'Shea Brissett is good at. But Notre Dame put that on film in Syracuse's last game. And don't think Tony Bennett didn't notice that about challenging O'Shea Brissett to, to, okay, kid, go ahead and shoot it, but you want to come past that three-point line, you're going to pay for it. So O'Shea has got to make opposing teams respect that. But it's not just that for Virginia. They're 40% from three-point range as a team. That's a top 30 percentage in the country. Ty Jerome, 46%. Kyle Guy's at 44%. Devin Hall's at 46%. Isaiah Wilkins is one of the best defensive players in college basketball, and you would imagine a team that's so good defensively would have somebody that fits that description. So here's where turnovers come in. Because the last two games, both Notre Dame and Wake Forest have really cashed in points off turnovers. That's been a big problem. Here's another thing. Virginia is 10th in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. I mentioned uh, Hall. He has 47 assists, just 13 turnovers. Ty Jerome, their point guard, the main guy. He has 43 assists, 22 turnovers. So if you're Syracuse, you're like, okay, we can't score. Our half-court offense stinks. They've got three-point shooters. We are at a disadvantage on the road. We do not have a good half-court offense. Points off turnovers have been heavily weighted on the other side in both the Wake Forest and the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame added a little element in that they dominated the offensive rebounds. Wake Forest dominated the boards as well. We'll see if Virginia can continue that trend and 
maybe prove Jim Beheim's statement that the fact this was a good rebounding team was a myth. I mean, we'll see about that. Virginia has all the statistical advantages, all the optics, the matchups don't work out. The one thing Syracuse has going for them tonight, they're used to being at a slow pace. They're used to struggling on offense. What they've got to find somehow tonight is patience. What they've got to find tonight is good shots. What they've got to do, which they have not been able to, and you don't certainly snap a mad, you know, snap your fingers and it's magic and do it against a team like this. But what Syracuse has got to do tonight is make possessions count. That's where that O'Shea thing from the Notre Dame game worries me, because O'Shea is now at a, in a spot. They're going to give him open shots. Does he? accept that and just fire up shots and give away possessions. When you give away a possession against Virginia, you're essentially giving away two possessions. I mentioned the North Carolina stat because they're going to come down on the other side and they're going to be deliberate and they're going to pass the ball and they're going to work the shot clock and your possessions per game are going to drain, which is something Syracuse is used to. So short of having that bonafide shooter, that the Orange have used in their last two wins against Virginia. What they need tonight is Frank Howard to be that guy. They need Tyus Battle to score. And they need O'Shea Brissett to grow up a little bit tonight. There's other factors that we'll discuss that Syracuse could use that they maybe haven't seen in the past few games. I think that Jim Beheim, frankly, has to have a lot more patience with Matthew Moyer tonight. I know Virginia's a good defensive team and they can wear on him, but I think you need Matthew Moyer in this game for more than eight minutes. But we'll discuss that a little bit more on the other side. 437-7644 is the number. You can hit us on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, or uh, use the On the Block text line, 288-0644. We're back after this On the Block ESPN Radio. It's presented by Burdick Toyota. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.